Doctor Who, Series 7, Episode 3, A Town Called Mercy. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm Sarah Burrow. And I'm Natalie. So we're back again for the latest Doctor Who commentary, and we have a new commentator. Welcome, Nat. Uh, Hi there. Uh, do you want to tell us how uh, how you got into Doctor Who, what your favourites are, that kind of thing? Um, well, I can remember a few episodes from when I was a kid. It was obviously Sylvester McCoy when I was a kid. I wasn't massively into it, um, but since the new series, um, and since David Tennant especially, I think, I've um, become quite a huge fan. Favourite episodes? Uh Blink, actually, probably. Yeah. A popular top. choice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just because it's, it's clever and it's um, yeah got the whole time travel thing really well worked in. Cool. Yeah. So uh, what have you thought of uh, Series 7 so far? Um, I loved Asylum. I know some people have had some things to say about it, but I, I really, really liked it. Really good opener, I thought hated dinosaurs but i've only watched it once and i'm hoping with another watch i might get over some of that i was still hoping that on watch two and still hoping it on watch three as well but um <laughs> there's dedication for you yeah it has some redeeming qualities but uh no i i, I thought it was a fun um romp let down by uh just uh some uh, really bad characterization yeah. choices yeah, in a few places great performances but yeah, yeah, yeah I not think, really much for them to and do and that's one thing that can be said the actors I think did very well with what they were given mm. I think they should have been given something better <laughs> but uh, anyway um, so we are here to discuss uh, episode 3 yes A Town Called Mercy A Town Called Mercy which um, is written by Toby Whithouse and is. is the Doctor Who take on uh, the Western the Western um, personally, I think it's really good. I think it's the best one this this uh, mm-hmm. series, um, and I, I generally quite like Toby Whithouse's usually. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and this is this is another really good one, and I think actually it, it saves Chris Chibnall in a couple of places. Yeah. <laughs> saves what what he should have done, I think, with with the ending of uh, of Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. So, I think he goes not all the way, but I think he goes some way to rectifying that that ending. Mm. I think I think he shows up. Uh, Chris Chibnall oh, in, in lots, lots of ways. Yeah. Because um, I think one of the things that I didn't think was well handled in Dinosaurs on the Spaceship was the way that the Doctor left uh, Solomon so, yeah. to die. And yeah, the Doctor sometimes does uh, slightly dodgy things, uh, morally ambiguous, kills people without pulling the trigger yeah. type thing. But in this case, it just seemed to be um, particularly uh, casual in yeah, the way it was yeah. handled. There wasn't. It didn't seem as if we were supposed to question it. It was just mm. uh, Solomon's the bad guy. Uh, this is this is fine. Just seemed to mm. be the way it was handled there. Whereas this episode has better. actual mm. moral complexity, mm, yeah. uh, which I is think really that was nice. the thing. I didn't have so much of a problem with the fact that Solomon was killed. Yeah, 
it was how they handled that. Mm. And it was the, the offhand, we're running out of time, we need to get rid of him. Yeah. Convenient missile to blow him up. There was no, yeah, there was no moral sort of quandary about no any choice. of it. <laughs> um, whereas this, this is everything we want in a, in a standard mm. Doctor Who. You know, there is the humour there, but there's also the, the moral quandary and there is also, yeah. you know, the more serious parts. Um, and I see, I think Matt Smith does really well at, at sort of juggling mm. those two in this episode. And it doesn't feel sort of as hurried in this one. You manage to get everything in. It feels comfortable. Yeah. It feels, it makes sense. It's still fun. It's got a cyborg gunslinger. Yes. <laughs> um, dinosaurs on the spaceship this week. A cyborg gunslinger yeah. uh, this week. Um, and I think there are the two part jokes as well in this, which hmm. Christian will obviously try to do with the, as you will know if you've heard our discussion on dinosaurs on a spaceship, the golf ball jokes that I detest. You know, that was in the two part to have a reason. Well, you've got them in this one with, hmm. you know, but they're much better you know, handled in this and that I I think we said on our in one of our podcasts about the discussion of possible new showrunners, I'd much rather going on this episode, I'd much rather have Toby Whithouse than I would Chris <laughs> Chibnall. But yeah. uh, that's probably a discussion that could go on for some time. So um Yeah. <laughs> shall we shall we make a start? Yeah. So if you're listening along at home, uh press play now. So we begin with some voiceover narration, mm. uh, a bit like Asylum of the Daleks. Uh, and Dinosaurs on Spaceship, I think. Because I'm sure it was on there, because I'm sure I remember thinking... No, it, no, had, it, it, had, it had the caption uh, floating oh, up today. Because um, I remember voiceovers being um, mm. a thing Chris Chibnall did in The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, which Pete and I didn't like. Yeah. But we begin to see a bit of a pattern emerging in that you think that it's um, talking about the Doctor and you have... um, There is, in fact, um, the gunslinger who's being talked about. A bit like uh, how last week you had the uh, reversal of... um, He seemed to be looking for the doctor, but he was just looking for a doctor. And here we have the whole reversal of the um, alien doctor uh, thing. But they do it twice in Dinosaur's Spaceship, because then when he's meant to have scanned the system Mm. and he wants something really valuable, either you think he's picked up the doctor, or I thought he picked up the TARDIS. Yeah. But obviously he actually is referring to Queen Nefertiti, of course. And a much shorter pre-title sequence. Yes. And a much more succinct and, you know, it, yeah, it's quite nice and compact. The, the dinosaur intro went off forever. Yeah, the dinosaur intro isn't. But you're actually a fan of these new titles, aren't you, Nat? I do quite like them, yeah. Because, uh, yes, I didn't like them, as I've heard. I've said before. <laughs> this was filmed on location in Spain, and it does look great. I'm looking forward to seeing this in uh, this. HD. Mm. I mean, we're watching it streaming it online it's not the best quality but even then it looks really good um, um, second uh, for the new episodes to be filmed in Spain the first one being The Two Doctors uh, yes um, this is the second one to have been obviously not filmed at the same well, time well they, they did a little bit of filming um, for Asylum of the Daleks uh, on the mountain so <laughs> And 
it does hit a lot of the familiar um, Western yeah. cliches moments. Mm, music. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice to have um, some different music that's not the standard issue uh, set of Doctor Who things, which um, are good, but uh, Mary Gold does tend to um, get a lot of usage out of the same motifs over and over and over. I think this set, which I assume is entirely custom-built, I'm assuming they're... I'm not, sure. I'm not sure. I'm guessing it's a standing set because I think it's been used for other things as well. I'm not sure. But I quite like it. It's quite good. It sets. It's very quickly sets up the. I like this bit. Huge fan of tea, so I love this next bit. And the accent. And then nearly impaled himself on the toothpick. The um, barmaid has a passing resemblance to River Song, in fact, in the trailer, um, I think, who mistook one or two shots. So this this is one of the the first part of the one or two part jokes I was Mm. referring to. The, uh, the measuring up for coffee. I mean, that, that bit's quite interesting because usually the doctor turns up and he's used to trying to sort of blend in and, yeah. you know, try not to, but he just walks into a bar and says, yes, I'm an alien, essentially. <laughs> More use of guns in this episode. Whether that will mm. go down very well. I like this moment here with just the gunslinger approaching. Mm. He doesn't seem to use this semi teleporting skill later. He uses it at the end when he's oh, coming yeah. to the showdown at the end. But I like it because they have him stop just outside the boundary and you have him actually physically walk over the boundary. Hmm. Um, and he does, yeah, he does use it when he's coming up behind Jenks as well. Hmm. Jenks. So. And here's Ben Browder, who is uh, known to science fiction fans as uh, Crichton from Farscape. Which I never particularly. No, watched. it's not one I've watched. No. Uh, and he also was then in Stargate SG One, which I did watch, but I think I stopped watching before he joined it. Yeah, so I can't, can't say that's, I know that's the extent of my commentary on Good. his acting career. I think uh, Pete has watched Farscape, and I think there was comments about him rewatching it in preparation for uh, Ben's appearance on the show uh, this week. So, of course, Ben um, is playing Isaac, who's the um, the town marshal. Marshal, sorry. 
I went for Sheriff when we watched it the first time, but no, it is actually Marshall, isn't it? We got to get the hat. We <laughs> got to get some new accessory. That's something on the Moffat bingo card, it which is. we forgot to use for Asylum of the Daleks. We did, that is true. Uh, which uh, we might have got a complete row if we had used. Yeah, we might have done. We'll have to dig them out again. Yeah, in time for Moffat's next episode. Yes. Nice bit of reasoning from the doctor. Yeah. And here we have oh, what's his uh, name? Adrian Scarborough. Ah, yes. Who is um, Pete in Captain and Stacey, and he's been in all sorts of things. Seems to have had sort of from, very sort of medium, sort of bit parts in quite a few different things. I think. Yeah. Upstairs, I didn't personally recognise him, but um, I've seen. Lots of Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. He's great in that. I've watched some Gavin and Stacey, I think, before he was in it very much, I think. He he was in um, King's Speech as well. Yes. It's a Polaro Moss. This is another thing you sometimes get is, uh, ah, yes, of course, the alien species we've never met before. Let me give you some exposition about them. Um, is this a completely new alien species? Yes, it is. I asked my resident uh, old who walking encyclopedia that Caleb is. So uh, it's the um, tattoo. Yeah. Or possibly, I don't know whether it's Mark. Mark, whatever. It's quite a nice touch, which obviously they, they use quite well later on to mm. try and sort of. It all goes a bit I am Spartacus. Yes, it does a bit. Face paint. <laughs> But again, particularly, you know, perfectly logical, it makes sense, it, it does work, you know. No, um, he, it, it did seem to me blatantly obvious from him being so nice and so reasonable. I said the same thing, it's the standard, oh, we've got some really nice and definitely going to turn out to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Badish or... A mixture. Certainly, you know, morally questionable. Yes. Uh, yes. But I think this is the point where the doctors realise something's up, isn't he? Yeah. With the Stetson. 
getting Rory to... I'm not so sure why Rory's there, though. As an innocent to protect the other guy. Ah, yes. you kind of see... Because the other guy is supposed to be dressed up as... Because you get here... Yeah. Probability of getting the innocent. So just to reduce the risk that we don't get Isaac shot pretending to be the Doctor. I mean, it's funny though, because I mean, he does then shoot at them later on, and they're equally, they're still equally close the next time he shoots at them, but. So the doctor can not only speak baby, but horse. But also horse, yes. Uh, was the first thing that came to mind of that was it, is it a boy called Sue? Is it the, uh, the Johnny Cash song? Which possibly only I know, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Susan. Um, the android gunslinger, the opening shots were quite Terminator esque, mm. and then you've got the whole Westworld um, thing, because that has uh, the android gunslinger. It's um, part of the malfunctioning Android theme park. Uh, I quite like him. It, it, the um, the effects are very good on him. I assume they're all actual special. They are actual special effects, not computer generated. I don't think any of them are. But um, and the gunslinger is played by Andrew Brooke, mm. who is mostly well known for the Channel Four and E Four program Phone Shop, which mm. I haven't personally watched, but I've seen the adverts for. Um, and he's a few bit parts and other things. Uh, and also made the headlines um, for there are photos of him and Karen Gill- Gillan, who plays Amy, uh, kissing while in Spain on uh. a night out while out. So there are um, questions in not necessarily completely reputable newspapers of uh, <laughs> him being Karen Gillan's new boyfriend. Rumours so, and tittle-tattle in yes. tabloid newspapers? Who defunk it? There are actual photos, though, so uh, we've not no. completely made it up. And as we've now seen the episode, they aren't uh, relating to uh, anything to do with the episode. So uh, Mainly because he doesn't look like the gunslinger in them <laughs> as well, I will hasten to add. <laughs> That's a really nice way... Of explaining what's happening, but pointing out the fact that you're explaining yeah, it, that's a nice and not just have them joke. point the uh, point out the obvious, because sometimes that gets a bit tedious when the as you well know Frodo dialogue. Yes, it's actually nice to have two plans where they don't sit down and explain what the plan is. Because at the end, yeah, they just go off and do it. So. I love this conversation with the horse. It's very reminiscent of his conversations with uh, Stormageddon in uh, yeah, in closing time. And again, some nice um, shots of mm. the Doctor Horse riding, which, of course, I mean, uh, he did back in the Pandora Cope, and yes, uh, he did. He stole a Centurion's horse. Here we have a big egg like tic tac. <laughs> looks like a tic <laughs> I wanted him to say Stetsons are cool then. It would have just yeah. fit with the, the bow ties are cool and the fezzes mm. are cool. 
He's already said step and support his name in the impossible. Yeah. Here the gunsling is about to terminate them, but fortunately... <laughs> See, that bit doesn't quite make sense, because the guns are allowing him to get as far as it's saying terminate, although when they were running together and yeah. they were close together, it wouldn't let him shoot. They're actually physically next to each other, and it's going to let him shoot them. So, And if he blows it through the rock, it's going to get both of them. So I think that didn't quite fit. But, um... Well, prep. Perhaps he's not able to identify them as innocent. Mm. Unless their signatures are too close together, which is why. Mm. I mean, it's just it's so that he can do this scene, isn't it, where he's stopped in time to go and uh, respond to the car alarm, isn't it? As opposed to the car alarm. Yes, exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah. Quite similar. Oh dear, it's not following the plan. Naughty, naughty doctor. (laughs) The line of dialogue earlier where he says, uh, Amy asks, are you a father? And he says, um, uh, yes, you could say that. Yeah, Yeah, at that point it's like, ah, so he's the one who made the gunshot. This bit here is very neat. Yeah. Um, Because obviously they call this, this, self-destructing that later on. But it's a very nice way of introducing it that you don't have to introduce Quite it later fun. on when he blows himself up. And... That's one thing Toby has done very well in this episode is he's got all the information we need across but not in, in a way that's anywhere sort of mm. tedious or... Yeah. It fits, it's, it makes sense. There's, there's a self-awareness and a mm. humour to it. That doesn't sound good. No. It's a good way of just communicating, mm. uh, implying the horror of it, but in a Saturday tea time friendly yeah. way. Amy and the Doctor both held at gunpoint. <laughs> Amy's slightly more relaxed in her response, though. It's interesting the whole um, issues of justice and the secrets. It's uh, going back to something that the series has touched on before. Um, one example being Boomtown, uh, where they have the choice of do they take Margaret Slovene back to face the death penalty. Yeah. Although this is perhaps a bit more effective for not having farting. Aliens yes. in it, yeah. which uh, somewhat takes the weight out of um, 
uh, moral, ethical dilemmas. Yeah. I bet all that lot wasn't comfortable for Andrew Brooke hmm. in the middle of Spain <laughs> <laughs> to be walking around in that lot. I realised that now. I just thought I'd put you all in enough danger. Perhaps if I let fly. I like, I like in this course of the conversation that although, um, although what he's done is very unpleasant, you do get enough of his point of view so that it's not totally one-sided and it is then believable for them to disagree on what exactly to do with him. I think the other thing you get as well is you get, um, the Doctor's quandary. Yeah. You know, and you... He don't, I mean, Matt does this this scene incredibly well because he says very, mm. very little. Um, and, of course, in comparison to David Tennant, we're not used to necessarily seeing Matt Smith do the serious stuff as much because they've done a lot of the more comedic roles for him. But this shows... Yeah, this shows he really can do it. And with very few words at all, you do get that quandary and you do get the mm. fact that it's perfectly believable that in a minute he snaps and he's more than willing, you know, to, to sacrifice Jenks to the gunslinger. And, of course, if you know the background of the time war and so on, then you do have that added layer of motivation to the Doctor's quandary here, the guilt that he himself has about his own actions in the time war. Yeah. He totally zones out at this part. Mm. It's because Rory turns for him to, to make the next move and he doesn't, so and this is nice for Rory actually because he then does mm. the Doctor's not stepping up so he does. And he says, what do we do? No, he's the guy to save the town from cholera. The guy that gave us heat and wine. Look, Jax may be a criminal, but yeah, kind of creepy. And still in the So there's the the heart back to dinosaurs on a spaceship. Um, the idea that Amy's actually not happy with... Um, that essentially Solomon's character was executed. I personally think that should have been addressed yeah. in the episode, at least even if it was just in some sort of passing comment from Amy that the Doctor brushed off. It should have appeared, it should have been handled. Yeah, it's, it should have... Someone should have challenged the Doctor yeah. in it in that episode. And I think, think it... Yes. I think it... It makes this episode suffer slightly because all this... Um, this argument and this confronting the Doctor and saying, you know, and him saying, but look what happens every time I am merciful, it doesn't work. There should have been hints of that in, in, mm. in Dancers in a Spaceship. Yeah. Well, I think it 
I think it weakens dinosaurs in the spaceship much more than it weakens Yeah, definitely. Um, Not that it took a lot, but yeah, but, it definitely does. Um, uh, yeah, I think that the follow-through, uh, sort of linking them together thematically, could have been a lot better handled. Because one of the things I really liked about the second half of Series 6 was how well um, the last few episodes flowed thematically. Mm. You didn't have um, a uh, obvious hit hit it over your head story, yet, but there was a clear line from what happened in um, <laughs> in uh, the girl who waited, and then yeah. the pond's leaving, and then uh, his how he dealt with things in closing time, uh, building up to his death. Yeah. So I, I was completely cringing in this bit when we watched it for the first time, Amy brandishing her gun round. He just knew she was going to end up shooting something. But this bit is really nice. This is really quite an effective part of the script. You know, saying that... Because, that, I mean, it does happen. The time he is merciful. Mm. They do come back. I mean, this is the thing. This is what saves... That's a really beautiful expression from Amy that's mm. coming up now. Yeah, it's a really good performance from uh, both from Matt both Smith and Karen Gillan. Yeah. Fine, fine. That is one of the comments that um, Mark Gorham, one of our listeners, made on um, Dinosaurs in a Spaceship was um, just how strong the acting from Matt, Karen mm. and Arthur is getting stronger and stronger every week and I think it is and I think that's part down to just how well they get on off screen, mm. I think it's they're going sort of leaps and bounds, they're getting so you know, better mm. every week and I think I think we've said it before, that's what made the difference when you had people like David Tennant with people like Noel Clark and, and the other sort of, not companions but the other ones sort of the regular guests it didn't have the same chemistry because I don't think you know they had that sort of closeness outside of work. Whereas obviously here they do. Mm. I think David Tennant and Catherine Tate had the yeah. chemistry for yeah. sure. I think but David Tennant um, did with his direct companions. Yeah. I don't think he had it with the guest ones, yeah. you know, as much. But obviously, you know, Noel Clark didn't get the role that Rory, you know, that Arthur Stavell did with Rory, which again we've said before, haven't we? Mm. And so Isaac's just jumped in the way and is now dying. Um, yeah, and I think um, uh, Ben Browder does make a good, do a good job of actually making you um, uh, respect the character and mm. like the character enough, so it does have some impact, even though it is a mm. fairly small part. Yeah, I think he does very well with what's a very small part. Um, but you can understand his reasoning. It's that voice of compassion. Mm. Yeah, it's another thing to tone down the Doctor's fury. Yes. And it, it's interesting the whole um, sub, uh, substitutionary aspect of it because um, it, it's a common um, motif, and you've got the whole um, sort of scapegoat uh, elements you need you need 
this death, but uh, in, in, in the townspeople try and turn on the doctor to throw him out instead yeah. and so on. And then you have this guy and he gets shot instead, but it doesn't actually solve anything. No. It's very um, René Girard, who's a mm. French um, guy who's done stuff on theory of violence and stuff and how yeah. scapegoating operates in societies. It's quite um, interesting just seeing those dynamics at play in the whole, what we get now is the scared humans being mm. far more scary than the Daleks. Yeah, than the um, the actual danger they're facing. Hello? <laughs> oh, poor So that's now, because I think you... I mean, I didn't assume, but I think half the reviews may well assume that he needs the hat. You know, I think... Well, I certainly know that he didn't. He meant the, the holster, but... Uh, you might expect the, the Doctor to refuse him. Yeah. I think you might assume, because he comes out with the hat, but, I mean, you can actually see his holster there, so... I'm loving how he's taken to the yeah. thumbs in the belt. I didn't notice the first time, but the first time he walked into that saloon as well... And this net, the next bit when he when he steps up to face um, this sort of young town's guy. I really love this scene. Just the doctor talking someone down, just using his wits and compassion to uh, defuse the situation. You've got the whole tension here. We've already seen the Doctor point a gun very uncharacteristically so in this episode. What will he do? And it actually um, gets you to question what the Doctor might do in this episode. But I quite like it. I think it, it fits. I think there are going to be complaints about the Doctor doesn't use guns, and I think mm. it's, this isn't the first time it's come up in, in the new series of Doctor Who, is it? But, I, uh, you know, Matt Smith's Doctor hasn't had the same relationship with guns that the past Doctors have, um, but I still think it's appropriate in this episode. Yeah, I think the point is very much to reinforce the idea that the Doctor shouldn't mm. use guns. And I think, I mean, we, we, we talked about it when it happened before, but when he was actually pointing the gun at Jenks, it was used to point out the quandary that the Doctor was in. Yeah. So it was used, and he was pointing it and saying, you're not going to shoot me. Actually, I really don't know whether I am or not. And it's to show that that fight, that was that internal struggle mm. that he was having with actually what to do with Jenks. Is his life worth sacrificing for the town? Whereas here he's a lot more sure in what he's going to do. He has no intention to use a gun. Hmm. And obviously he talks the guy, you know, the boy down. I mean, it is just one of those problems. Just when someone has done something genuinely um, uh, evil or wrong, <laughs> there is that desire for justice. Um, you. Especially if you're the victim, you do feel that there's a price that 
should be paid. At the same time, we there's the whole thing of, well, shouldn't we forgive them? And how do you reconcile those two? And it's really nice to have this whole tension explored in an intelligent way. I, I mean, Toby handles, handles it really well. And there is the space and the time and it's 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 handled properly hmm. but you don't lose the pace you don't you know it, it all fits this is back to the other second part of my joke again he's measuring up from yeah. the coffin and, uh, after the tension of that scene yeah. a bit of humor <laughs> but it it fits you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like an afterthought or It, we, it's probably also worth saying. I mean, Adrian Scarborough does incredibly mm. well with the character he's given as well. I mean, I can't say I've really seen him in anything else. Just another casualty in your endless bloody war. Do you want me to hand you over? Is that what you want? Do you even know? I think I'm unaffected by what I did, and I don't hear them screaming every time I close my eyes. It's so much simpler if I was just one thing. Scientist who made that killing machine, or the physician who has dedicated his life to serving this town. The fact that I'm both bewilders you. Oh, I know exactly what you are, and I see this reclamation for what it really is. I, I like um, the way that. Toby Whitehouse, he does like to just um, push at the edges of Doctor Who and the conventions of the action adventure format and just think what that would actually mean because you saw that in the God Complex with mm. um, uh, just the effect it has on Amy and Rory and the effect that the Doctor has mm. um, although I'm not sure how um, sustainable that is you can do that to some extent yeah. but if you keep pushing it too much doing it every week then uh, actually, the whole premise of the Doctor travelling through time and space uh, does, with his companions does fall apart a bit. Yeah, he you does... start you start picking at the frayed edges, and it all suddenly unravels, doesn't yeah. it? And I think, I mean, I think that's one of the the best things about Doctor Who is because you've got you've got the mix of writers. Yeah. You are, I mean, however much I've complained about dinosaurs in a spaceship, the different writers enable you to have that different types mm. of episodes. So this episode, you know, every once in a while from Toby Whithouse, you know, fits really well. But you have the lighter episodes. You also have the bigger, flashier episodes from, from Stephen Moffat, you know, the, the mm. season openers and the, and the sort of season closes and things. Um, but, it, you know, it then does lead to you don't necessarily get that continuity thematically through all the episodes. But, I mean, there's pros and cons of doing it either way. You can also, if you've got the same writer, you can get very... It can get very stale, hmm. and yeah, it, you you know you could start trying to do this every episode, which which would even for us, I'm sure, get. Yeah. Also, I don't think it would make it a family show anymore. Hmm. So this is what you were saying before, Nat, is that we've got no explanation of what his plan is here. Yeah, it's just your standard western. The clock's about to strike <laughs> twelve. He's even doing the clicking of the <laughs> neck. Um, I knew. And he's, he, we just get on with it. There isn't any stop while he explains to the companion what the plan is. We just get on with it and it, it quickly becomes evident what the plan is. Another thing that's um, interesting is 
that um, I'm not sure whether we just had it just now and missed it, or um, but the whole discussion about the carrying the souls up the mountain. Yeah, we, that we, we just we just had and it. That's yeah. another thing that Toby Whithouse seems to be quite interested in: is different ideas of the afterlife, because mm. um, you had that in the God Complex as well with. Mm. Um, uh, oh, was Amara Khan's character? I don't know what it was, but yeah, but I don't know. But yeah, and the Muslim idea of Hal and her thinking mm. that they were in the afterlife in the hotel, and then um, obviously, and being human, it's something that's it's explored mm. a bit there with the uh, modern take on purgatory and stuff. It's yeah. been seen in some of the stories. It's a nice bit of texture to mm. the storytelling. I'm also reminded uh, of. Rito um, was, her, was her character's name. Ah, yeah. Um, and of course, the Doctor pulls draws his sonic screwdriver rather than the rather gun. Rather than his gun, yeah. Nice. And. Um, Another thing I'm reminded of is Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> I haven't seen it. You haven't? Oh. No, I have seen Back to the Future, and I've seen part of Back to the Future 2, but not... Oh, I really like Back to the Future Part 3. <laughs> I know some people um, don't like it, but I, I, I really enjoy it. Time travel and westerns and good combination. There's a Red Wolf episode as well that's oh, western. Oh, yeah. Although that's in a... Sequence or something, isn't it? So here we have um, using the isn't it? the marks and things. Mm. Isn't it um, Android Crichton? He's the sort of gunslinger. Yeah. yeah. Here comes the android to menace the innocents, mm. including the uh, little girl. <laughs> Doctor with his face paint half on. Mm-hmm. I do think you get a good sense of um, just pathos in having uh, the uh, gunslinger he, although he's this robotic creature, he's also a character, he's a person mm. he's, uh, he's got his own morals mm. Mm. Now, the fact that they showed the self-destruct sequence being overrid in the second time did tip me off that uh, yeah. uh, they were yeah. going to use it. It's like, right, they wouldn't bother showing him overriding it unless it's going to be 
reused for like plot cabin. resolution purposes. Yeah. <laughs> this is the trouble when you watch as much television and Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, get you do to start to every. But also, you know, you are able to acknowledge that that's because you do watch a lot of it. It's not yeah. really, really obvious. It's obvious no. to us, which is nice because sometimes it's just really obvious. I'm, I'm quite happy with obvious to me mm. or, you know, to Doctor Who fans, you know, hardcore fans, but it's a bit annoying when it's obvious to sort of the general public watching it. Mm. Yeah. What are you doing, Jack? I think... Um, in this story, there is enough unpredictability in the way the Doctor acts and stuff. It does. Yeah. Um, though you don't, though it's fairly obvious that Carla Jacks isn't going to be as nice as he pretends to be. It doesn't, it's not completely predictable. I mean, this is, this is the one problem I had with this, with the Doctor's plan here. Because obviously the plan is for Jinx to, to fly away and for the gun mm. to follow him, which is fine. But the problem is, you know, there is a flaw in the Doctor's plan because he could then, yes, put another town in jeopardy. And it's Jinx that actually realises that actually the only way to, to protect, truly protect everyone mm. is Which is nice as well because it is completely vindicating the Doctor's... Mm. feeling that you should you know, protect him yeah I mean it, it shows that the doctor was right not to just sacrifice him right at the beginning yeah it allows him a bit of um, to redeem himself slightly as a character yeah in a way that if he'd have just been thrown to his death um, wouldn't have happened it would have been very anticlimactic <laughs> had he just got you know Shots by the gunslinger, and that would be it. Nice big explosion. <laughs> Very long drawn out explosion. Mm. Exploding tic tac. I'm sure Danny Hargreaves had fun uh, setting <laughs> that one up. Yeah, that would have been a good no, one. Cause no Doctor been... Who confidential. To... I know. They are releasing sort of videos and things on the site, mm, though, aren't they? Yeah, so there might be something. Some confidential X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I'm sure we had a good time because there's actually no people involved in that one. Because obviously he, Jax, isn't actually in the ship. So that probably was a, a, quite a good real explosion because they will have been allowed to be quite a long way from it when he blew it up. So. That's a really oh, nice... Look on the bright side. <laughs> That's a really nice line though because I think... There is something to be said for, you know, there are a lot of troops who struggle coming back from mm, war and going, yeah. well, where do I actually fit in day-to-day life when, you know, when your life has been taken up by what is essentially killing other human beings, which obviously it's a throwaway line for, you know, most viewers. But And here we have um, Amy and Rory decline to come on another adventure and wants to go home again, which of course we had at the end of Dinosaurs yeah. on a Spaceship as well, mm-hmm. didn't we? I liked a lot about uh, the friends noticing that uh, they're ageing faster. Yeah. Um, that that had occurred to me. It's like, well, uh, if you kept doing that, mm. <laughs> isn't people start wondering? And also, it's a nice direct link to the next episode, which of course is about mm. 
the life of the ponds. Yes, the power of three. See, when Pete and I commentated on um, The Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, we didn't like the voiceover there because we didn't feel it added anything. Mm. Whereas I think this use of voiceover is good because it does actually add to the story. You know, there is a point. You know, it's not completely essential in the sense that you don't miss anything vital if you miss it. But it's a nice summation. Yeah, like any device that can be used well or badly. I know that in terms of script writing advice, uh, they usually say steer clear of uh, voiceovers because it's something that uh, it's a very thin line, new yeah. writers tend to want to overuse. Here's the trailer for Power of Three. And Mark Williams is back! Yeah. Yeah. I'm very excited by this. It looks like Pond Life, the full episode. <laughs> I love this line! <laughs> now, I'm really torn because that's another Chris Chibnall, isn't it? Yeah. So. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it, but I'm just terrified that it could be horribly awful. And the, uh, yeah, I like the concept. I'm nervous about. Let's see what he does. Um, Chris Chibnall writing it. I'm yeah. just nervous about his ability to actually deliver. We'll see. I mean, I think because um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's written some stuff that has been good, like his Life on Mars script and. Um, perhaps something more grounded might suit him better. I don't know. Wait and see. <laughs> yeah, maybe if he's not going for the big and flashy and dinosaurs on a spaceship mm. idea, maybe it will. Maybe because there was some nice um, humour in mm. dinosaurs. It yeah. just all didn't sit right as a whole. So maybe mm. yeah, something a bit more back to earth. Yeah, literally mm. beings on Earth. And Mark Williams is back, which I'm not mm. going to complain about. It looks uh, like it might be our first uh, invasion of contemporary Earth story in quite a long time. Quite a while, yeah, because that used to be a staple for... Yeah. Well, certainly for Eccleston and, and quite a bit of Tennant, really, as well. Mm. We have been, yes, out of this world in the sense of off-Earth quite a bit of it, haven't we? Yeah, because, um, uh, well, we've had, I guess, you had the Impossible Astronaut... The Christmas special was yeah well started on Earth, I suppose. I mean, um, you've had stories set on Earth, but you haven't mm. really had an invasion. Cause even, no, um, impossible time. astronaut day. Of, oh yeah, closing time would have been the last one. Yeah, yeah, but not certainly not as many. I mean, certainly with Rose, you had it an awful lot, didn't you? Mm. Um, yeah, there was much more keeping Rose. <laughs> At home, I think. Yeah, yeah practically the... every Russell T Davies series finale was um, mm. a invasion of Earth being taken over, whereas Stephen Moffat is uh, time has gone wrong. Yes, <laughs> uh, the universe yes. is collapsing. Yes, um, they've got their favourite uh, style of yeah <laughs> uh, apocalypse, but a much better episode. 
information. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> um, this, this is definitely um, my favourite so far of the series. Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed Asylum of the Daleks. Um, Dinosaurs on the Spaceship had its moments, but this is really good. And mm. uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with this and look forward to uh, more scripts from Toby Whithouse. Toby Whithouse, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, cemented his position as uh, one of the um, mm. most interesting writers, I think. Yeah, definitely. What other things has he done, Caleb? Because you will know off top of it. He did School Reunion, which brought mm-hmm. back Sarah, Sarah Jane, Jane. Yeah. which was really good. And had Anthony Stewart Hill. Yes. Um, and he um, did Vampires of Venice, oh. which was good yeah. apart from the Vampire switch, part of it. S- switch off the plot by flicking a switch um, resolution, which was my main problem with it. Um, but again, nice dialogue and characterization and mm. some interesting just with um, using Rory as a character just to, um, yeah, uh, pick at the edges of that Doctor Companion relationship mm-hmm. and how he um, uh, is dangerous to people by making them want to impress him. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the God Complex. Yeah. Um, which uh, was a really good episode and my favourites from last mm. series as well. So, yeah. So, the power of three, obviously, is Christian Moorback. Yes. Is the assumption then that Angels Take Manhattan is... Yeah, that's episode five. Is, Ma- is Moffat again? Yes. And then, obviously, we don't know what happens with... Because the next one, then, is the Christmas special, Which so we're off air till... Stephen Moffat, yeah. So... Introduces um, Jenna Louise Coleman officially. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. Any theories on how that might fit together? Well, I think it's... <laughs> the Doctor and Amy and Rory obviously didn't see her like we saw her. So mm. there may be some you know, dramatic irony of uh, we all know who this person is. Yeah. We're assuming it's the same character before she ended up with the Daleks. So mm. is it a case of the Doctor knowing he's got to take her to her doom? Like the river, hmm. um, don't know. Yeah, is is it? I really hope they don't cop out and you know have her as a, as a distant cousin or anything like that. I'm really, yeah. really hoping they don't do that. That will be a real letdown I'm, if they do. I'm, I'm, when, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's just way too obvious I'm for hoping. them to do that. I mean, with Martha, she was in yeah. it way before. Yeah, etc. I don't, I don't think. I, I mean, there was. There was a definite nod as well, wasn't there, to, you know, yeah. remember this. remember me, yeah. In um, in the Big Finish audio dramas, um, Paul McGann's um, companion that they created for him in those, um, Charlotte Pollard, uh, she was saved in her very first story from the um, crash of their ship R101, and in doing so, the Doctor changed history, and so they had a whole story arc of, time beginning to unravel around her because um, the Doctor had um, changed history and then trying to um, preserve uh, yeah, yeah. Ba- basically but um, uh, more drawn out and yeah, <laughs> so, but it would be quite a nice way of um, taking a sl- the same, similar idea but a slightly different tack from River Song in that in this case the Doctor actually does change things and has mm. to deal with the consequences oh, of yeah. that. And also oh, potentially... Has the um, 
the quandary between um, saving her and the Daleks all not knowing who he is. Because mm. obviously if he changes that from ever happening, they might remember him again. Yeah. Some yeah. kind of conflict there. And it'll be different because this time it'll be the Doctor that knows what's happening. Because mm-hmm. you assume that she, obviously she won't know how it ends. Mm-hmm. It'll be earlier in her timeline, won't it? Yeah. I've already got a feeling it's going to hurt my head. <laughs> Because that's the problem I have with the River Song is these think about these things too much it begins to hurt my brain. But um, so it'd, it'd be an interesting one. I hope they don't get too close to the you know reusing the river idea of, yeah. of the two time streams. But you might get a bit more complexity with it being the Doctor that knows, rather than the yeah. companion or whatever you want to call them. And and I'm wondering, yeah, I um because they only cast Jenna Louise Coleman, um shortly before they were filming uh, Asylum of the Daleks so um, I guess one of the things is whether the it was always planned to introduce the new companion uh, mm. in that way or whether it just was a fairly last minute, a, a last minute um, or I've thought of a way to connect them and it might be mm. something a bit more tenuous uh, yeah, well, that's a bit worrying. If it is been added sort of as an afterthought, then it, it gives you the concern that, yeah, maybe the the link isn't as thought through. Mm. But, but then you know it it fit it fit very neatly in a sign of the Daleks. Conveniently, all of mm. her camera work was internal shots. Yeah, you know, so nobody ever got anywhere near knowing she was filming. Mm. You know, so it does have maps of being mm. you know quite pre planned and premeditated. Yeah. Well, we could must, wait and see. In, in yeah. what we trust, yes, yes. we could. Uh, we could speculate, um, you know, yeah. for quite some time, couldn't we? So, uh, yes, and faithful listeners, uh, let us know your um, yeah. theories or um, hopes for what they do with yes. Oswin or Clara or whatever she may or may not be called uh, when uh, she returns. Uh, they don't um, use up all your speculation at once. We've got yes. until Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a little bit there's, longer there's to go. plenty of time to pick over us. But do get in touch with what you um, thought of A Town Called Mercy um, and then check in for our spoiler-free um, on The Power of Three yep. where we'll have a, a quick discussion of, of what you thought of A Town Called Mercy. Um, so please get in touch in the usual way, uh, either through the website or our email, um, which is impossiblepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, all through Facebook or Twitter. Um, Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to The Impossible Podcast. For more Doctor Who commentaries, plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.